We are the paradoxical ape. Bipedal, naked, large-brained. Long the master of fire, tools, and language, but still trying to understand ourselves. Aware that death is inevitable, yet filled with optimism. We grow up slowly. We hand down knowledge. We empathize and deceive. We shape the future from our shared understanding of the past. Carta brings together experts from diverse disciplines to exchange insights on who we are and how we got here. An exploration made possible by the generosity of humans like you. There's a long uh, history writing about savants uh, uh, who, who emerge in childhood, and um, I'm going to talk uh, about a slightly different uh, syndrome. Uh, my friend Alan Snyder in Australia suggested this be called acquired savantism. And so these are people who did not have artistic abilities or talents who, in the setting of neurodegenerative diseases, uh, have acquired new artistic abilities. And this is the group that I lead in San Francisco. Uh, and uh, almost everybody in that audience has uh, helped me in, in some way in this work. So um, we know a lot about uh, art and the brain uh, from lesions, uh, whether it's brain tumors, uh, strokes, uh, brain trauma. Um, and there are certain themes that have emerged. Uh, uh, one is that uh, the right posterior parts of the brain, parietal lobe in particular, are essential for the ability to copy and probably along with the right temporal lobe uh, conjure up images that we want to put on a, a, a piece of uh, a paper. Um, the smallest lesion in that uh, brain area will devastate uh, the ability to copy. Um, not as bad as Dan's artwork, but along that spectrum. Um, <laughs> Yeah, okay. So um, less, a little bit less known, I'm going to touch on this today about the uh, left side of the brain. But uh, in general, the, the sense is that uh, symbolic, linguistic, conceptual aspects of art are associated with a uh, 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 left hemisphere. And um, with injury to that part of the brain, there is a, a theme in the literature of uh, preservation of the ability to copy. Um, I, I, I began to study this not because not I thought about it, because it sort of uh, ran into me um, in the study of uh, patients that I've seen with neurodegenerative disease. And uh, I was taught going uh, into my fellowship that degenerative diseases hit the brain diffusely. You could learn nothing about the functions of the brain from studying neurodegenerative diseases. But, but I think we've known really since the time of PICC uh, and Alzheimer that we have two major presenile neurodegenerative conditions. One uh, that affects the front part of the brain, uh, often begins in the frontal insular and sometimes anterior temporal lobes. 
that's shown in blue. These are uh, disorders that are called frontotemporal dementias. Uh, they uh, have a, a lack of uh, Alzheimer pathology, no plaques or tangles. And then Alzheimer's usually a posteriorly predominant disease that affects the hippocampus. So uh, very different anatomy and uh, very different sorts of syndromes that we see in the setting of these uh, two distinctive neurodegenerative conditions. Um, there's been a lot written about art and Alzheimer's disease. I think many people get quite a bit of, of pleasure uh, working in um, with art therapists uh, uh, with uh, Alzheimer's disease. And you know, I, I think what these disorders tell you is that uh, your art is influenced by the part of the brain that is uh, injured. So because uh, Alzheimer's disease uh, hits the uh, posterior temporal parietal region, sometimes worse on the right than the left, sometimes uh, left worse than the right, uh, you, you lose uh, uh, precision. There tends to be visuospatial difficulty. Um, but some things remain, uh, ability to perceive color, uh, simple shapes. This is one of my patients' uh, uh, paintings. Uh, uh, Megan Fox, uh, I, I think quite a, a beautiful piece, a very nice use of color. I think very typical of what we see in the setting of Alzheimer's disease. And of course, uh, fine artists like de Kooning, um, uh, uh, William Untermullen were uh, profoundly disrupted in their ability to uh, produce uh, images of complex faces, uh, uh, complex uh, shape and we're left with very simple, simple forms like this. In front of temporal dementia, uh, there's a different sort of story, and um, uh, this is a paper we wrote in 1998, uh, focused on the emergence of new artistic skills uh, after the disease onset. Um, the theme was that uh, visual creativity was more common when the anterior temporal lobes or the left frontal lobe uh, was where the focal degeneration began. These are often called primary progressive aphasias because they affect language. Um, but remarkably, in some individuals, we see an emergence of visual creativity. Um, wrote about that in 1998. Didn't understand the mechanism very well. Uh, starting to understand the circuitry that uh, we think emerges in the setting of this loss of function in the dominant uh, uh, hemisphere. So th this was a patient, uh, Jack, that got me interested in this story. He was a banker. He, he lived in Santa Barbara. They did a special on him on ABC News. And uh, Jack had never had the slightest interest in art. In the 1980s, uh, his wife died. He became depressed. He started working with an art therapist um, and uh, uh, started painting. Uh, what I learned about Jack is he painted repetitively. He did many of the pictures that uh, I saw over and over again. Uh, this compulsive need to paint, uh, I think, was one of the reasons that his painting was so interesting and successful. Um, this is, I think, one of his uh, masterpieces. Uh, when I saw him um, uh, around 1995, Jack uh, was obsessed with painting profoundly aphasic, uh, uh, had lost many of the words, particularly nouns. Um, uh, he uh, drew this uh, parrot that he remembered uh, from Hawaii, yet couldn't tell me what this painting was. Obsessed with the colors purple and yellow. Uh, 
like many of these patients, completely unable to get him to describe uh, the art of creating or why he did it. Uh, the phrases I heard over and over again was, uh, uh, yellow and purple wave over me. So uh, uh, he became obsessed with painting. He painted purple things and yellow things over and over again, progressively lost social skills and language, visually profoundly preoccupied. Uh, Jack used to walk the streets of Santa Barbara with his caretaker looking for coins. Uh, when I visited him uh, in Santa Barbara, uh, was sitting at the table, immediately he says it's raining. Uh, he had, un had uncanny, I think, uh, ability to uh, focus visually. So um, Jack produced these series of paintings. Uh, this is a slightly later one, I think very Fauvist uh, in style. You can see an interesting uh, strategy where the sail is both the background and the cell. Um, losing some of the precision that he had, uh, I think as the disease uh, creeps into the parietal lobes more posteriorly. Um, a slightly later piece where he is really losing the ability uh, in the way an Alzheimer patient might to uh, uh, paint precisely. Uh, again, that theme of purple and yellow, uh, Jack's obsession. And then finally, one of the last pieces he ever did, uh, I think quite whimsical, beautiful uh, uh, picture of a man. Uh, as he lost the ability of paint, uh, this was replaced by the compulsion to brush his teeth. He did this over and over again. Um, and as we learned uh, uh, later, Jack had a form of frontotemporal dementia, very interesting form that has been called uh, semantic dementia or semantic uh, variant of primary progressive aphasia. It's a subtype of frontotemporal dementia. It was what Pick described in 1892. It affects predominantly the two anterior temporal lobes. When it affects the left side, which most of my artists uh, uh, come from this group, uh, you lose uh, your knowledge about words. Uh, uh, you, you lose your knowledge eventually about things in the world. Uh, unlike Alzheimer's disease, the naming deficit isn't improved by clues. They don't know what that word means. Um, the anatomy is very focal. Um, so I, I think as these individuals lose uh, function in the amygdala, anterior temporal lobes, uh, orbital frontal cortex, there's disinhibition, progressive language uh, disturbance, but often visual-spatial skills are profoundly spared. These are people whose only point on a cognitive uh, test is uh, uh, drawing a complex visual figure. So this is, uh, you know, something that is often spared in these individuals. And in a subgroup, uh, there is the new emergence of uh, interest in painting and uh, increased uh, visual creativity. I always thought this was first described by a neurologist, but uh, on a trip to uh, Columbia um, around 2006, I, I was reading 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and I came across uh, his description, the first description of semantic dementia, uh, I think, in the literature. It's the town of Macondo, people are dying of a sleeping sickness, um, and he describes what happens uh, uh, to them. He discovered he had trouble remembering every object in the laboratory. Uh, he didn't know what they were. He marked them with their respective names so that all he had to do was read the inscription in order to identify them. This is a cow. She must be milked every morning so that she will produce milk. And the milk must be boiled in order to be mixed with coffee. 
uh, uh, gorgeous description. They went on living in a reality that was slipping away, momentarily captured by words, but which would escape irremediably when they forgot the values of written letters. Um, so around the time that uh, I discovered this uh, piece from Gabriel Garcia Marquez, uh, we had a patient very much like uh, the villager in Macondo. Um, so this is my patient, Bob, who like many of these individuals know that they're losing words, know that they're losing knowledge about facts uh, in their world. And you can see here, uh, just like uh, Garcia Marquez's description, uh, he's putting down these names, these words compulsively, repetitively, Foley catheter, endocarditis. Uh, uh, he knows that his world is slipping away just in the way Gabriel Garcia Marquez described it. I don't think, uh, and be glad to talk about this with anyone online, offline, that Marquez actually saw a case of semantic dementia. I think he was writing about his own writer's block, and I think this is what he conceptualized at the time. So we couldn't resist. This is Bob's, uh, who uh, drew a cow quite beautifully. Uh, his elephant, I think, rather whimsical. Um, certainly better than Dan and I could do, I think, in the copy. So, yeah. so um, this is a degenerative disease. Uh, uh, the concepts for these uh, animals, often nouns first, verbs uh, relatively spared. Uh, look like they come out of evolution. I appreciated the picture of Darwin earlier. So the dog looks a little bit like a um, cat. It looks uh, like uh, some features of a cow. Um, as similarly, the cat has features of the dog. The, the fish, uh, to me, looks very much like a uh, penguin. But uh, uh, I think as you're uh, watching this patient with semantic dementia, uh, lose their conceptual knowledge around what distinctive animals really are. And of course, if you don't know what an animal is, uh, you don't know what color to uh, give it. So we asked this patient to draw the frog uh, and put the color in. Uh, he, he drew a pink frog, not, not the green one, which he should. Um, this is my latest uh, favorite uh, uh, set of pieces. This is gentleman uh, we're going to describe for uh, the journal JAMA. Um, uh, he uh, uh, became obsessed with welding. Uh, he was not an artist. Uh, this is his uh, bird, and you can see it uh, has got that same quality of uh, uh, mixed uh, uh, metaphor. The, the, the bird has features of an insect, um, and I think uh, this really has taught me that uh, what an artist does is put down on a canvas the way that they see the world. Okay, so just a couple conclusion points. Um, uh, our uh, poet laureate, uh, Kay Ryan from Marin County, uh, has uh, taught us at uh, UCSF about the neuroscientist Emily Dickinson. And I think uh, Emily, Emily Dickinson you know, had a very modern way of thinking about the brain. And so when I was uh, thinking about these uh, patients, I came across this poem by her. Um, and I think uh, she was interested in moral decay, but this is really the decay of neurodegenerative diseases as we understand it in 2017. Crumbling or the dementia is not an instant act, and we now know uh, probably 20 years before we see a patient with one of these diseases that the degenerative process has begun. A fundamental pause, dilapidations, processes, or organized decays uh, totally contradicts the idea that the 
dementias hit the brain diffusely. These are organized decays in very specific circuits. Other circuits are spared. This is first a cobweb on the soul. This is the misfolded protein that Rusty Gage, uh, Dan Geshwin uh, uh, talk and write about. Cuticle of dust, a borer in the axis, and elemental rust. Rune is formal, devil's work consecutive and slow. Fail in an instant, no man did. Slipping or the dementing process is Crash's law. So we see the crash, but I think what these artists have told me is that there is a, a period uh, uh, when this process is beginning where certain parts of the brain may be particularly um, uh, 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 immune to the uh, uh, degenerative process. They are spared and possibly uh, begin to remodel. And we've written a little bit about this, uh, 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 describing an artist named Ann Adams. Um, so the conclusion is, um, it's, I think, a beautiful but also a very sad story. Artistic creativity may emerge with left hemisphere dysfunction. Uh, I think we have some data uh, from the artist Ann Adams that there is rewiring of uh, right posterior uh, parietal regions, uh, very area that Karen Ber Berman showed is uh, probably uh, dysfunctional in uh, kids with Williams syndrome. Insights into the degenerative process uh, suggest that sometimes uh, a new strength may herald uh, the uh, degenerative uh, process, but I think understanding people's strengths are critical for diagnosis and care. And I think also this gives us insight into our, our, our humanity, and almost everyone has touched on this. Brain asymmetry is at the core of our strengths, but also at the core of our weaknesses, so thank you.